All right. All right, all right. Open up your Bibles. Psalm 103. Open it up. Amen. Amen. At our retreat this past weekend, we touched on a number of things. We touched on the faithful love of God for us. This is the thing that renews us. That we have to cast fear out of our hearts. How we have to devote our ourselves to understanding scripture we talked about how we have to love one another so that we can strengthen and encourage each other i had a really good time um at our retreat next time we're getting a guest speaker though but i had a, had a wonderful time and i had a really good time i'm getting to know a lot of you so thanks for um you know thanks for making the time to, to join with us in that all right here we are in psalms 103 in verse 1 Esau? There we go. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. How many of you guys know it's important to praise the Lord? It is important to praise the Lord. We come here every Sunday. We make time to devote ourselves again to worship Him. And just because He gets so much pleasure when we worship Him, we talked about this at our retreat, how for God, worship is such an intimate experience. It's something He takes such delight in. So when we come to worship Him, God, I believe, is so filled with pleasure and delight. He delights himself in our worship. And having us experiencing that, the pleasure of God over our lives, it's what renews us. And it reminds us again of all that he's done. Because how many of you guys know it is so easy to forget? Man, I have surely forgotten more of what he has done for me than I remember. Because it's human nature. All of us, we have minds like chipmunks. We only remember what he did like yesterday, maybe a week ago. But it's so easy for us to forget all his faithful acts in our lives. This is the human condition. You know how I know that? Because I am a parent. That's how I know. My kids forget all this stuff I do for them. Sometimes I just hold Sarah and I walk back and forth and I say, Sarah, isn't this an amazing time? Are you going to forget this time, Sarah? <laughs> she looks at me with those vacant eyes. <laughs> I know she's going to forget. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, I want to say one of the most important things we can do is remember the blessings of our parents. Of our parents. We take them for granted because we don't remember all the faithful things they've done in their lives, right? All the ways they've been faithful to us. We forget about them. We don't understand, we don't see the sacrifice that they made, right? A lot of times, most parents, they hide a lot of it. They don't tell you about how they're working hard so that they can pay for your college tuition, 
right? They don't tell you about how they've sacrificed aspects of their career, other friendships in their lives. Why? Because you came along, and they had to make a decision to prioritize you in their lives. Now, this is not to excuse our parents' unfaithfulness, because all of our parents have areas of unfaithfulness. I'm not saying that we should pretend our parents were perfect, but we should absolutely focus on their faithfulness in our lives. We should remember what they have done. Because what our parents have done is just the smallest bit of the great blessings that we enjoy in our lives. But let me just put it to you like this. If you, the reason you're in college today is largely because of the faithfulness of your parents to love you and care for you. When children grow up in broken families, we always see higher rates of juvenile delinquency, criminality, drug addiction, school dropout rates. Why? Because we, a healthy love from our parents, a commitment from them, is one of the foundational things that children need to grow up healthy, to grow up in a way that they can think about things outside of themselves. And for, you know, for most of us, that's the case for us, that we had parents who sacrificed for us and who loved us and who devoted themselves to us. But you know what happens? Somewhere along the line, something happens. There's an offense. There's a word spoken. There's an accusation. There's a betrayal. There's something that happens that creates a pain in our hearts and if we don't deal with that, what happens is that becomes the way that we see our parents. We don't see them through all the amazing things that they've done for us. We don't remember all the times that they gave us affection. They gave us gifts. They told us that they loved us. Or sometimes they just showed us. Because some parents ain't so good at telling. right? And sometimes we don't remember any of that. And all we remember are the times when they betrayed us. Or the times where they failed us. The times where they disappointed us. And it's easy for us to fixate on those things. And I want to say this. If that's the way that you view your parents, let me say first of all, I understand. All of us have had those kinds of moments. And some of us have suffered much greater pain from our parents than others. Some of us have, have faced much greater abandonment and neglect some of us heal. Some of those things. I don't want to minimize that pain, but I do want to say this: that you can be healed. I want to say this: that those failures of your parents do not have to define your relationship with them, and they don't have to define your future. That in Christ, He shows us the way to freedom and to a future filled with blessing and prosperity. We don't have to dwell on the pain of our past. Scripture never says that life is going to be easy. In fact, it promises you that it's going to be hard. It is a lie to believe that I have gone through an incredible amount of pain that's completely different from everyone else. No, I tell you, every single one of us has been through serious heart pain in our lives. It's the truth. You cannot live in this broken world without experiencing serious heart pain. And I'll tell you, it's not so much about the pain that you've experienced as it is about how you respond to that pain. 
I know people that have been struggling with offenses in their lives that they have never let go of for 20, 30 years. I tell you, you can be free today if you will make the decision that I am going to forgive. I am going to forgive my father. I'm going to forgive my mother. I'm going to forgive them, let it go, and say, God, now I'm putting my hope in you. That you will restore what was stolen. That you will heal what is broken. And look, sometimes we get upset when it doesn't happen in like a month. Newsflash. Sometimes it takes a little longer than a month. But in forgiving, what we do is we clear the path for us to receive healing through his process. And it's actually really important. Because oftentimes, forgiving our parents is one of the steps we need to take in our relationship with the Lord. A lot of times we don't realize that an unforgiveness towards parents blocks us in our relationship with God. Because the truth is that all of us are going to see God through the lens of our parents. If our parents were unfaithful, then we'll feel like God is unfaithful in our lives. If our parents were distant, then we're going to feel like God is distant. Maybe if our parents showed us great affection and constant love, this is how it works. Much easier for us to sense those things coming from the Lord. This is how it works. So if, one of, if we find in our lives that it's difficult for us to remember God's benefits, oftentimes we need to start by getting honest about we, how we feel about previous pain in our lives. We have to make decisions to forgive and to let go. And guess what? You do that for your own sake. Not for other people's sake. You do it for yourself. Pain, unforgiveness is a prison and it keeps you locked in there. And it keeps you repeating the same cycles of relationship in your life. Sabotaging relationships in the same way. So I encourage you, do everything you can. Get the pain out of your heart. Remember the benefits. Remember the blessings. Remember the faithfulness. And look, this is true. You have to dwell on these things. You have to remember your old birthday parties. Remember the times that your dad played with you. Some of those were awkward times. My dad used to take me and play baseball. I hated baseball. But he loved baseball. So we would go out and play baseball. He would hit grounders at me. And I don't know if you guys have ever played baseball in your lives, but if you're, if you're taking grounders on a field that's terrible, it's a terrible experience. <laughs> because those suckers bounce in crazy ways. And a lot of times they hit you in the face. I remember a number of times getting hit by baseballs and, and just feeling like, Dad, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to take grounders. I don't want to go and play baseball with you. And I remember time after time after time of this and feeling like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And I would tell, you know, my dad, I would show less and less enthusiasm, right? And because at the time, I didn't know how to articulate what I was feeling inside. When you're young, it's like that. A lot of times you don't know how to verbalize your feelings correctly. And so what happens, I just showed less and less enthusiasm. And pretty soon, it was like, hey, Dennis, you want to go play baseball? And I was like, not really, Dad. 
Because my entire picture of what it meant to spend time with my dad had become something that had become increasingly unpleasant for me. And it was so hard for me to see the love in his heart that was motivating it. My dad, it wasn't so much about the baseball, right? I know this because I'm a parent now, right? And the thought of going out to a park and just hitting baseballs at my son, you know, it's like not exactly the first option I would choose if I just wanted to have fun one day, right? But if I want to spend time with my son, then it all makes sense. Does this make sense? When we're young, we don't have the ability to understand the heart motivations of our parents. But as we grow older, we're able to look back on our past and see them in a new light. And what we can do is we can give thanks again. That we can return to a position of thankfulness for our parents. And this is really important because this is what Scripture says. It says, honor your father and your mother so that it may go well with you and that you may have long life in the land. There's a blessing that comes on this. And again, I say that if you do this, it will help you a lot in relating to God. Because a lot of us don't understand it's our inability to heal our relationship with our parents that makes it so difficult for us to relate positively to the Lord. It's a lot of the reason why a lot of times we are suspicious towards God. We don't feel His presence in our lives. And we feel like, God, you've been distant from me. You haven't spoken to me. You haven't done something in my life. And it's easy for us to get it all wrong. No, the truth is that God loves you. He's for you. He is not against you. He wants to bless you. He wants you to know him. But if we still have heart pain in our lives, it's so hard for us to see that at times, which is why we have to renew our minds, we have to get healed, and then we can have an enjoyable relationship with God. Enjoyable relationship with God is what it's all about because the truth is that he's got all the good stuff. God's the one with all the blessings that really matter. He's the one with the keys to our heart. He's the one with the future that leads to true fulfillment. He's the one who satisfies our desires with good things. No one else can do that. People can give you a satisfaction that's temporary, but the Lord is the only one that can give you a satisfaction that's eternal. He's the only one that knows your heart. He knows the way that he designed you. He knows the passions and the gifts that he's put inside of you. He doesn't ask you to surrender your life to him and to trust him with your life to want to go to because he wants to torment you or take you down a path that you don't want to go to. No, it's because, precisely because he knows you so well that he's the only one who can really guide you to your true heart's desires. That's why he says those who delight themselves in the Lord, that he'll give to them the desires of their hearts. That's what he wants. He wants to give you all the things that you truly desire. That's his desire. Because as a parent, see it again. Oh, my children, that you would trust me. I want you to be happy. Not just for a little bit. I want you to be happy for the rest of your life. And this is what it means to subject ourselves to discipline, to subject ourselves to authority. We say, I don't know the way I should go. I don't know the path I should take. 
God, I need you to lead me. I need you to guide me. Let me put it to you another way. The more sure we are that we are dum-dums, the easier it is to rely on Jesus. The less sure we are, the more we think, well, maybe I might be a child genius. I might have this life thing figured out. I may know exactly which major is going to make me the happiest. Oh, I know for sure what kind of girlfriend or boyfriend is going to make me the happiest. I'm sure. I messed it up the last five times. But this time, I got, I got, I got to figure it out. To the degree that we doubt ourselves and we go, I don't know which way to go. That's beautiful. That's called humility. Guess what? I have no idea what to do in life. I don't know what to do with you guys. I'm always just like, Jesus, please talk to this person. I have no idea. I always say that the true ministry is not about knowing exactly what to do. It's about a dependence on the Lord that brings in his grace because God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. Brothers and sisters, a lot of what God is trying to do is get you to understand how weak and how foolish and how ignorant you are. And a lot of our objection to that is like, no, no, I'm not weak and foolish and ignorant because we think that that's rejection. No, God's not rejecting you. It's like, you know, it's like you're a baby chipmunk or a baby mouse. We found a couple at our retreats, right? We set the mouse free. And they came back to the shoes. What a dummy. Right? That mouse had no clue what, <laughs> where to go. Right? A lot of us, we are, like, we are like that. We have no idea what we should do in our lives. And we're so scared because we don't know that we can trust God to guide us. We don't have confidence that if we put our trust and our faith in him, and we go, God, I'm a sheep. I don't know the way to go. But you're the shepherd, and I'm pretty sure you know how to lead me in my life. Because we don't know how to do that, we're trying to figure out how to make all the most difficult decisions in life, and we're worried that we're making the wrong decisions. Newsflash, you're almost certainly making wrong decisions. Almost certainly. You know how many majors there are? Like hundreds? You think that one major you picked is the perfect one? Out of all the majors, it fits you the best. You have no clue. And that's okay. Because the truth is that none of us know how to do this life thing. Okay? None of us know how to do this life thing. This is part of the, the, the paradox of freedom, the paradox of choice. There's so many options in life that none of us know the best path to take. But for those of us who are in Christ, we have confidence in our shepherd that he'll lead us even though we don't know the way to go. He'll guide us in our lives. And that's why we can step forward with courage and with confidence. I'm not afraid of picking the wrong major. I might have picked the wrong major. But the Lord will lead me in my life. He'll provide. He'll guide and direct me. Does this make sense? Let's go to verse 6. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, 
or repay us according to our iniquities. Have you ever felt the discipline of God on your life? All the time. All the time. I have felt the discipline of the Lord on my life. Why? Because when we get it wrong, we need a correction. My children don't like it when I spank them. But I spank them because I need to wake them up to how this action is hurting them in their lives. How many of you guys know God spanks his kids too? I'll tell you, even his spank for a lot of us, that makes us afraid, right? But I'll tell you, even his spankings are given in love. They're not excessive. God is the perfect spanker. Perfect amount of force. Not too much, not too little. Just enough to make me go, oh, shoot. I should not have done that. So our scripture says, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Don't despise it. Don't live in fear and terror of it. Don't resent it. Embrace it. I know that sounds weird. It sounds kind of masochistic. Don't be masochistic. Okay. But I am saying that you can come to a place of such confidence in his discipline that you can feel loved when you get spanked from Jesus. That's what I'm saying. And that's a great place because when you get there, then God can grow you like crazy. You can grow quickly in Jesus. In fact, one of the things that hinders our growth the most is that we start to run from God when we get disciplined by him. When we do that, then he can't discipline us as much as he would want to. See, here's what we don't understand. His love for us is maximum. He's not... He's not disciplining us because he's lost patience with us, usually. He's not disciplining us because his anger gets out of control. He's disciplining us because he needs to teach us something that we'll remember. You guys don't understand what that's like. When you're a parent, you will learn quickly. You tell them, brush your teeth at night, every night before you go to bed. You know how often that's going to work if you just tell them? It don't. They don't remember. You know how they remember? When they get disciplined. When they know if I don't brush my teeth, then something I don't want to happen is going to happen to me. That's how this works. You know, you can also learn this as a pastor. Hey, all leaders come to our meeting at 1030. You know how many of them show up without discipline? Half. That's how it works. Got to start disciplining those guys. Man, every, I just saw all these people go, mm. <laughs> It's okay. Because I know I need discipline too, right? The discipline is there to help us, not to harm us, right? And when the Lord disciplines, he does it because he's causing us to grow fast. When we embrace the mentality of God, I want your discipline. Then what happens is God can discipline us often, and we don't feel rejected by it, and then we grow really quickly. That's what we want. That's why David says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me, Lord. I get comforted when God disciplines me. Why? Because I know he loves me. I know he's for me. He's not against me. He's with me in life. I know this about him. That's why I love his discipline. I know he does. he's not excessive. He's not giving me more than I deserve. In fact, he's not treating me in accordance with my sins. 
He does not repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far is he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are like dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. What's David saying here? He's saying he knows we're dumb. God knows that we're prisoners. of. He understands. We feel this so strongly one second and we feel so differently another second. He understands our weaknesses. He knows our fears and our anxieties. That's why. He loves us in our weakness. That's why he gives us so much mercy. He delights to give us mercy because he knows how much of it that we need. So here's what you do, church. You run to him. God, discipline me in your love. I trust your discipline. Don't harbor resentment. Let go of the resentment. God is not like your father, like your mother, who disciplined you out of wrath And because they finally lost their patience, I've done that. I don't know one parent who has never lost patience with a child and disciplined them out of that. All of us do that because we're all imperfect. But God never does that. He is slow to anger and rich in loving kindness. He delights in giving mercy. When he disciplines, it's for our good. I want to encourage you, church. Have a mentality, Lord, I want your discipline. I appreciate your discipline, God. I want you to wake me up when I'm going down the wrong way. I want you to wake me up when I'm not thinking like I should be thinking. Some of us, actually, some of us don't know what God's discipline is really like, huh? God can discipline in a variety of ways. He can bring rebuke from other people. Correction. That's a really important form of discipline because that's actually the lightest form of discipline. Right? That's the one that if you just receive it, you get it without any other pain. Right? It's the best. Right? That's why we should be eager to listen to others and try and hear the Lord's correction in it. Why? Because if we learn that way, then we don't get any other pain. We just get corrected, and we get to go on our way. That's why you should do what I tell you, douche. Okay. (laughs) Other forms of discipline can be a little bit more painful. Okay. I know this because I've experienced many of them in my life, right? I've experienced how the presence has drawn off my life, right? The distance of the Lord. Sometimes God puts us into those situations. Why? Because we've presumed upon his grace in our, in our lives. And he purposefully takes it away. And he gives us a season in the wilderness so that we realize, I really need that in my life. Right? He's not doing that because he hates us. He's not doing that because he, doesn't, he can't stand being around us. That's not why. He does it so that we'll value his presence. Okay? And when we're humbled, that's all about humbling. When we humble ourselves in that season, then what he does is he returns in time, his, his grace and his mercy and the feeling of his presence over our lives, right? And we value it in a new way. Does that make sense? And guess what? All of us have to go through seasons like that. I've been through several seasons like that. Guess what? David had to go through seasons like that, right? How long, O oh Lord? You see so much of that in the Psalms. 
all of the sense of God, where are you in this moment? Why am I crying out all the time? And it doesn't feel like you're hearing or like you're doing anything. It's not because God doesn't hear. It's because that's the reaction he's provoking. He's provoking a humility in your hearts to bring you deeper. Why? So that the next time he pours out his grace on you, you'll cherish it and you'll steward it well. Does this make sense? This is an important aspect of discipline. Sometimes he will shut down your places of success. I've had that happen to me too a couple times. For me, it was my church where I was removed from my church. Everything I had built, I had poured six years into this ministry. And in a month, it was gone. Sometimes God does that. Why? Because we need humbling. It's so easy for us to take pride in our accomplishments. And what that can do is it can draw and turn our, turn our hearts away from God. Because we get independent of it. We lose our dependency on him. And he's got he's to speak to us again. These are all forms of the discipline. Right? In Psalms 119, it says, it, is, it was good for me to be afflicted. It was good for me to be afflicted, Lord, in that place. Why? Because I learned to fear your words. Right? I learned to honor your commands. All of us need to go through seasons like this so that we can have, go into a deeper humility. And I say this, God is not humbling us to punish us. He's humbling us to train us and to discipline us. I don't know any great man or woman of God who has not gone through serious seasons of humbling. It's an indispensable form of training. David was not chased out into the wilderness for a decade of his life because he did something wrong. He was chased down the wilderness because of what he did right. Because none of us have the maturity to be able to handle the destiny that's on our lives in Christ. None of us. We have to go through hardships. But I say this, you don't have to go through it miserable. That's your choice. You can go through the wilderness miserable, or you can go through it with thanksgiving and with increasing humility. And then if you do that, it goes fast. That's why I've learned this lesson. When I recognize I'm in the wilderness, it's just repentance time. Everything. I forgive everyone. I repent for everything. Everyone, everything that someone has said I did wrong, I probably did God. Forgive me. Right? Forgive me for not honoring that leader. That's a big one, by the way. It happens all the time. Lord, forgive me for, for not honoring that leader. Lord, heal my heart in this area. And you know what happens? It goes fast. It goes fast. And in the midst of it, you can give thanks. You talk about all of the what he's done. You remember his benefits. You declare to yourselves, this isn't the end. God hasn't abandoned me. It's not over. This is just a stage in the process. That's how it works. I promise you, you're going to go through a hard season in your life. Sooner or later. The question is, will you have faith in that season? Without faith, the season will be long and hard. But you'll get through it. But with faith, it will be relatively short. And you can just go and give thanks because you know what God's doing in your heart. Take me deeper, Lord. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. Worship team, come on up. The beauty of God's blessings 
is that they're not just for you. He remembers his faithful ones in eternity. He blesses their children and their children's children. He blesses those around them because they love them. Think about how crazy that is. When you fear the Lord and give your life to serve him, God pours out his blessings on you. But because he loves you and favors you so much, he pours his blessings out on everyone that you love. Brothers and sisters, God is calling you to be ministers to those around you. To intercede for those who can't pray for themselves. To seek his blessings for those who don't believe in him. God has sent you into their midst. And because he loves you, those that you love and contend for in the place of prayer, he starts to work on their hearts. This is one of the most awesome things ever. God loves and favors those that I love and favor because of his favor for me. You understand? That's how all of us got here in the first place. Right? We all got here because of Abraham's faithfulness. And it passed through the generations. And then guess what? I had a mom who loved me and prayed for me all the time. Some of you had friends that loved you and prayed for you. And that's why you're here in church this Sunday afternoon. This is the chain of blessings. Stand up right now. I want to ask you right now, would you remember God's benefits just right now? Remember his faithfulness in your life. He has not abandoned you. He's not against you right now in the name of Jesus. I break that off, that lie, that accusation. No, he knows your weakness. He knows your pain. But his heart is for you. His heart is for you, church. Right now, let's bring our hearts before the Lord in worship. Let's just say, God, I'm surrendering my past to you right now. And let's say, Lord, I cherish your discipline. I recognize your love. You don't treat me as my sins deserve. But your blessings will follow after me all the days of my life. Let's come before him right now.